The Windler U student government is totally corrupt and should probably all be in jail. This is a conclusion I have been toying with for quite a while now, but it's one that lately everyone seems to finally be getting on board with. So let's go through it. First, bit of background. Every other morning, Noah and I have this little ritual, we call it Boxing with the Bros. We wake up at 6am sharp and walk down to the fitness center. We go back to the boxing training room, which is almost never busy, and I show Noah how to box. This is great for me, because in the last few months, boxing has become something I try and do at least three or four times a week for my health. And you can't argue with the results. And I think it's been good for Noah, too. Over the last three years, what I've noticed about him is that he has a sedentary lifestyle. Freshman year, his preferred activity was to shut himself in our dorm, lie down on the bed with a can of sparkling water, and watch 30 Rock without headphones. And this is still one of his favorite rituals, but I think he's moving towards breaking it. It's easier, I think, now that he's not living by himself. In fact, there's never not someone in the apartment. Mine and Trevor's classes are done every day by 2pm. Eric, however, is taking an astrology lab. His classes don't end until 11pm some nights. And then we have a new element. Brayden Vandersloot, no longer dead, and no longer enrolled at Windler. Just a sad straggler camped out on our couch. I will say, though, I have been more than happy to let him live in the living room for the last few weeks. After all, that's what a living room should be for. But you know what Ben Franklin said about house guests? They are like fish. And just like fish, after two weeks, they'll give you mercury poisoning. All Brayden does now is sit on the sofa eating Cheetos and walking tacos, and I'm fairly certain that he uses Dolores as a napkin based on the grease that I've been finding in her fur. But it's nice to get out of the apartment now and again, even if it's just for an hour or so. That morning I was practicing my slips when I looked over and saw Noah distantly throwing jabs at his bag. What's the matter? I asked him. Eh, he shrugged. I guess the magic's just going out of it a little bit. It's starting to get boring. I feel like I'm zoning out. Well, you're supposed to, I said. It's supposed to be zen. Come on, give me a jab cross hook. He threw a feeble jab cross hook. Noah, I said. What's the matter? Are you suffering from anemia? Do you want to spar? He asked. Uh, no, not particularly. I'm better than you. I don't want to hurt you. You're no fun anymore, he said, and then he looked at his bag again and threw a timid cross. I don't know, I'm just a little sad lately, that's all. Oh yeah? Well, what's got you down? The theater department is rehearsing the first play of the year, Will, without me. It's the first time since sophomore year that I haven't been in a Windler main stage. You weren't allowed to try out, were you? I asked. They said I probably shouldn't, but... You know me, I thought to myself, well, fuck that. I'm gonna try out. I'm gonna get back on that stage, and... They shut me out. I had to beg my way onto that stage. I had to wait until everyone else had gone, and it was just me and Dr. Kostler. And I got up there, and I auditioned, and you nailed it, and they still wouldn't give it to you. I didn't nail it, he said. No, Will, I got up there and I choked. It's, it, it's like I forgot how to act. You got the yips. The, the yips? The yips, I said. It's that thing where baseball players get up to bat and they just space out and they can't play for shit. Was it kind of like that? 
Yeah, a little bit, said Noah. I'm really sorry to hear that, I said. It's okay, he said. It's just very boring. I will say I took your advice a few months back when I was locked in the place. The psych ward. Well, yes, the psych ward, Jesus. When I was in the hospital, I wrote a play of my own using crayons and construction paper from the arts and crafts table. I had to transcribe it over the summer, but it's really good. What's it called? I asked. Lost in the mist, said Noah. I laughed involuntarily. What? He said. Oh, are, are you, um, are you, are you being serious? Uh, yeah. Why, don't you like it? Uh, I didn't, I didn't say that. But before I could not say anything else, we were treated to the sound of frantic footsteps in the hallway. The door flung open. Dr. Collins stood there. For the love of sweet, gentle Jesus, boys, barricade the doors! Dr. Collins, I asked, what are you doing here? He slammed the door shut and began fumbling with the lock. It was one of those doors you had to have a special key for, like, like one of those little metal rods. Shit, he said. Boys, backs against the door. It's our only chance. We shrugged and both put our bodies against the door. Dr. Collins, said Noah, what's happening? Von Crump, that's what's happening. Cornelius Von Crump. The guy that eats people, I asked. Indeed, said Collins. He's escaped from the safety home for the criminally deranged and has made his way back to Windler's campus. He just ate one of the janitors, unhinged his jaw and swallowed her whole. Well, that's ridiculous, said Noah. No one... There was a knock at the door. It wasn't loud. It wasn't forceful. It was a polite little... Don't open the door, said Collins. But it was too late. The next blow against the door came with such force, I thought the door might break down. Noah and I went tumbling back, and a man entered the room. He was a tall man, built like a stove with a big pot belly and thin reading glasses, behind which were a pair of beady eyes. He wore a purple sport coat and hat. Well, there we are, said the man. What's all this about then, I thinks to myself. Hello, chappies, fondness of a day, haven't we? Who the fuck are you, Noah asked. Noah, said Collins, that is Cornelius von Crump, gentleman fiend. Right here, then, chaps. Let's line ourselves up to Piggly Wiggly, won't we? I'll get my bib on and we can start the process just nicely. Who wants to be made into meat first most, or am I right? He turned to Noah, cocked his head slightly, smiled a smile that revealed a set of monstrously large teeth, and said, Hello, Piglet. Do you know Mr. Johnny Corvette? Cornelius von Crump opened his mouth. It was a hideous thing to see. The lower jaw fell like an iron to the floor. His breath squeaked out of his nostrils. He groaned something that I couldn't quite understand. And then he lurched over and wrapped his jaws around Noah's head. But before he could bite down, I felt something spring into me. I charged forward, twisted slightly, and bashed the right side of his head with a hook. Von Crump's jaw cracked and he let out a groan of pain, and I watched for a moment as he attempted to wiggle his mouth back into the proper order. His jaw was twisted horribly to the extent the lower half of his mouth now ran perpendicular to the top. He reached his hands in, 
let out a fearsome grunt of pain, and pushed. Bone stretched and snapped until at last, finally, with a hideous click, his jaw realigned, and he glared at me. It wasn't a look of anger, but one of genuine intent. What virtual flavor, he said, and then, just as quickly as he'd come, he made good his exit from the room. Dr. Collins and I reached down and helped Noah off the floor. "'Are you all right, Trent?' Collins asked. "'I'm so glad young Hughes here could help you. I would have done it myself, but, you know, I'm afraid I may need to run home and pick up a pair of fresh petticoats.' "'Oh, boys, damn that Von Crump, but don't worry! I'll have campus safety looking for him, and the proper mental health authorities have already been contacted. We'll have him clapped back in the safety home by thrice meal, I can promise you that.' Hughes, will you hop on my recumbent office for a moment? I wish to parlez-vous avec you. But what about me, said Noah? You can't make me walk back up the hill alone with that sick maniac running around. Fret not, Trent. We'll call Sherry to escort you uphill. You know what, said Noah. Uh, I think I'll take my chances with the maniac. So Dr. Collins led me outside to his bike office and we began pedaling uphill. "'Well, well, well,' said Collins. "'Use, I didn't know you could throw punches like that.' "'It's a new skill,' I said. "'Dean taught me last year.' "'Ah, yes, the Eastern European gentleman your mother is marrying. "'Congrats to her, by the way. "'Does she need a minister?' "'Are you a minister?' "'Well, no, but as president of this college, "'I am licensed to officiate any and all weddings "'that take place on Windler's campus. "'One of the good things about having this university "'legally registered as a boat in the event of a flood. "'Now then, Hughes, I know you're something of a compulsive extracurricularian, "'but I wonder if I might persuade you "'to add one more feather to your already overly plumed cap. "'I would like you to join the Windler Boxing League this year.' I didn't know that Windler had a boxing league. Oh my, yes! The Windler, you fisting walruses! I don't, don't be modest, Hughes, he said. I dare say you gave that gentleman a mighty fisting a moment ago, and I was glad to behold it. I'm sure you would do your fellow pugilists some good. You know, I said, I would like to get into shape. It's funny, when I first came here, I actually thought someone might pressure me into trying to join the swim team, and then uh, this one time I got in the campus pool and I started crying and freaking out so hard that the lifeguards thought I was drowning, so, yeah, you know, hmm. Well, as far as I know, there are no plans for aqua boxing, Hughes. You can do all of it on, oh, what's the phrase? Solid ground, I asked. No, not quite. Uh, you can do it all on, uh, arid soil? No, it's, uh, it's the opposite of wet water. I just can't think of it right now. Regardless, I think it'll be good for you. Oh, please, Hughes, won't you kick righteous butt on behalf of your beloved school? I thought about it for a minute. Okie dokie, I said. True to his word, Dr. Collins and campus safety had Cornelius von Crump recaptured before dinner. I was driving uphill back from the grocery store when I saw it happen. Three men in white coats had tackled von Crump to the ground and wrapped him in a straitjacket, and his mouth was put in one of those Hannibal Lecter masks. 
I drove on, trying not to make eye contact, but I had the feeling he was watching me the entire time. The next day, the student paper published the full story. It told the details of how Von Crump had escaped the safety home, how he had been apprehended, in part, through the gracious collaboration of his relative, Caldwell Von Crump. And more importantly, the article told the story of how the student government had reallocated the emergency funds to buy plane tickets for themselves to make good their escape. Later that day, there was a school-wide email sent out from Peter Stevenson, the Windler U. campus president. Dear Windler community, it read, On behalf of my fellow student government, I would like to issue the following apology. Yesterday, September the 29th, 2022, my fellow student government members, with a few notable exceptions, did, in fact, reallocate emergency funds to buy ourselves plane tickets to Fiji while a cannibalistic maniac was allowed to run wild on campus. That was our bad. From our beachside hotel rooms, we have been able to consider that this does not showcase our leadership abilities the way we would like. We panicked, and we ran, and we committed some light embezzlement. But let us not forget that none among us is blameless. Sarah Gutierrez, sophomore, confessed to me once that she likes to steal traffic cones. Mike Nguyen, freshman, once hit Dr. Seligman's car and kept driving. And lest we all forget that Rob Powell, Senior, once rubbed his testicles on the Wallerman Hall lounge piano at three o'clock in the morning when he thought no one was watching. That was freshman year, but we were watching. What I'm trying to say is, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. We're just silly little guys who made a silly little guy choice. Pretty, pretty, please. Can't you find it in your hearts to forgive us? We promise we'll be really good from now on, and we can even bring you guys back snow globes from the airport. Thank you for your compassion and understanding at this time. See you all in a week. Best, Peter Stevenson, Windler U, student body president. Twenty minutes later, a follow-up email arrived. Dear jerks, it said, it turns out the airport doesn't sell snow globes. We checked. In light of this information, we will be remaining in Fiji indefinitely, working as banana boat tour guides. You ignorant chompos can figure this all out on your own. In other words, we resign. Up yours, Pete. This blows absolute chunks, said Maxine. We were sitting in Olivia's bedroom that night. I hadn't been in Olivia's room that year, but it was... Nice. It was a dingle, that's a double-turned single, in the basement floor of Stampler Hall. The vibes are, in a word, immaculate. Posters for No Name and Welcome to Night Vale and Plants. Uh, granted, that's all on Olivia's side. On Sydney's side, there are posters for Heart and Fleetwood Mac and Tears for Fears, as well as Einstein with an LSD tab dissolving on his tongue. It was me, Sydney, Olivia, and Maxine. Max had sent me a text asking for me to meet them there after dinner. I never trusted the student gov further than I could throw them, said Olivia, and I couldn't throw them very far because my bones are small. I will say, said Sydney, it's nice to know the rampant corruption and cronyism hasn't changed since I was a student here. Yeah, some things never go out of style, said Maxine. Politicians are liars, crooks, and creeps. 
Unless, of course, a seriously badass babe steps up to take things over. I think y'all see where I'm going with this. We were silent. (sighs) I'm going to run for student body president. They're having an emergency election in the next few weeks. I'm going to go for it. Olivia clapped. It's right, baby. And I'm going to be a spoiled, sexy-ass first lady. I'm going to buy shoes. I'm going to have my face put on the flag. I'm going to be like Imelda Marcos, but I'm going to do it right. It's going to be fun. You realize that's deeply corrupt, right? I asked her. Well, she said, I'm not corrupt. I'm just crazy. It's concerning to hear you say that, since you're also one of the smartest people I know. Oh, baby, she said. That's how I know I'm going to get away with it. Regardless, said Maxine, I'm aware that I need to work on my image a bit. Right now, I think people see me as that weird goth lesbian who picks her scabs in class. And while I'm pretty confident I can lock down those demographics, I need some ruthless campaign advisors to help me out. Sydney? I thought you could appeal to the out-of-touch demographic. I'm not that out-of-touch! Jeez, gag me with a spoon! And, Will, I thought you could handle the, uh, generally odd. I could do that. I figure that'll give me a real advantage here. I need it, too. Rumor is the only other person that wants to be president is... Josh Johnson. Ew, I said... Who is Josh Johnson? asked Sidney. That sounds like a name someone would make up after getting pulled over for driving drunk. He's this fucking freshman, said Olivia, who everyone thinks is so cool, even though he's like butter everything. He has no personality. He's just, oh God, he makes me so mad. He is annoying, I agreed. Maxine took out her phone and pulled up Josh's Instagram. This is him, she said. Josh was a guy with a very bland, perfectly ovular face who dressed in a camo jacket with shoulder-length hair and a Joy Division t-shirt. "'What's wrong with him?' Sidney asked. "'He's just a total poser,' said Max. "'Like, he has no personality, but somehow everyone likes him. "'He's like the most popular little shit in this school, and it drives me frickin' crazy.' "'And it was true.' Since the start of the semester, Josh Johnson had somehow managed to infiltrate virtually every social circle known to Windlerdom. He had joined the radio station as an intern, the improv comedy troupe, the juggling troupe, the French club, the history club, the math club, the school newspaper, the independent theater troupe, second chair clarinet in the band, first tenor in the chamber choir, and pledged the Delta Gamma Theta fraternity. They always plan the best parties. The ones you go to if you need to get pee or pants drunk. And in all that time, what was strangest was that, if pressed, nobody could actually remember a single memorable thing that he ever said. After the meeting with Max, Sydney and I went down to the student union to get a late dinner. The After Dark bar was open, so we got mac and cheese and little containers of wine. We sat at the table drinking them and looking out onto the quad. We were silent for a moment, and then Sydney said, Will, can I ask you a question about the 21st century? Sure, I said. Do people still send faxes? Faxes? Oh, 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 gosh. Uh, well, I I would assume so. I mean, someone has to be. I mean, websites still list fax numbers. Right. Websites. 
But do you think that's out of necessity or do you think it's just for old people? Well, uh, a, a lot of lawyers use faxes. She shrugged. I guess that makes me feel better. I'm just trying to get the hang of the whole email thing. I mean, it's not easy. Well, actually, no, it's too easy. That's the problem. I feel like I'm doing it wrong. You'll get the hang of it, I said. She smirked. Well, that's the part where you're supposed to ask me what's really bothering me. Oh, uh, I, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Oh, uh, well, well, um, what's really bothering you, Sydney? I just feel homesick, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I like it here in the 21st century. I do. I'm glad I'm not dead. That's nice. And, and, and don't get me wrong. You're great. And I like living with Olivia, but I miss my parents, Will. And I'm sure they miss you. God, they must be worried sick, she said. First their daughter got murdered, then she just disappeared. I don't even know which one is worse. The first one, probably, but not by enough. She picked at her mac and cheese. Want to take your mind off it? I asked her. Sure, lay it on me. Behind you. She turned her head, not at all subtle. There was a group of freshman guys sitting at the booth behind us. Okay, the dude in the ripped up jeans, I said. That is Josh Johnson. That skinny motherfucker, she said. That's who Max is worried about? You could snap him like a twig. Don't let that fool you. He's got the entire school twisted around his finger. And at that moment, Josh stood and walked over to us. Hey, guys, he said. Sorry to pop over, but my ears were burning. Oh, I said, hey, Josh. Well, he said, how you doing, big guy? I, I'm good. How are you? Good. Hi, I'm Josh. Hi, Josh. I'm Sydney. Tell me, are you running for student body president? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just kind of figured why not, you know? Well, I am the co-campaign manager for Maxine Mitsuki, so I just wanted to let you know that I think you might have some competition, Joshy boy. What do you think about that? Terrific, said Josh. I welcome all points of view as long as it's a fair fight. Well, good luck to you, and see you on the campaign trail. I think it's going to be a heck of a race. And then he went and sat back down. We watched him go. Sydney grimaced, turned to me. He's a chipper one, she said. He really is. Is he Mormon? Mormon? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I could see him as Mormon. I don't think he's Mormon. I've seen him drink. Some Mormons can drink, said Sydney. I don't think that's how it works. She smirked. I guess we're just going to have to be sort of Machiavellian about this, huh? Where are we? How did we get here? Oh, uh, yeah, right. Um, I was in the ring down at the gym. It was the next night, my first night as a member of the Windler U Fisting Walruses. Originally a boys club, in recent years the team had become co-ed, adopting the slogan, Anyone can fist. Still, the team is segmented off into guys and girls sparring teams. The captain of the guys sparring team is a junior named Zach Fletcher. He pulled me aside as I was wrapping my hands and said, You're the new guy, right? Will? Yeah, that's me. Good to know you, bro, he said. 
So Dr. Collins asked you to join the team, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Apparently I've got a good swing. Nice, he said. Uh, And you're a lefty, right? Yeah, I am. Is that okay? No, it's great. I'm a lefty, too. (laughs) We need more of them. Da Vinci was left-handed, actually. Really? Yeah. Keanu Reeves, too. Oh, oh, cool. All right, so you're going to be sparring with me tonight. We're not going to teach you how to box since we're assuming you already know how to do that, but I will go easy on you since I think you've never fought before. Well, I've never fought officially. And he laughed and said, Killer, man, killer. Yeah, let's see what you got. So Zach and I put in our mouth guards and got in the ring. He spat his out and turned to the rest of the team. All right, guys, so this is Will Hughes. Will's the guy that Dr. Collins is forcing on all of us. And I'm going to roll out the welcome wagon. He gestured to the head of the girls' team. Francesca, get us started. She rang the bell. Zach popped in his mouth guard and turned to me. All right, he mumbled. Now take it nice and slow. I turned on my left heel and threw my cross. It hit him straight in the abdomen, and he sagged a little like like a sack of garbage. Oh, okay. Let's maybe try that one again. Redo. Boxers don't typically do redos, though, do they? Come on, let's go then, he said. We circled for a moment. He threw a hook that caught my side hard. I stumbled slightly. Grunted, he threw another one. I rolled to dodge it and threw a jab to his stomach, then turned hard and hooked him on the side of the head. He fell down into the ring and... Where are we? Oh, yeah. I was in my mother's office. It was after all my classes were done the next day. My hands were still trembling from last night. I had seen Zack on the quad, his right eye was swollen slightly and nearly purple, but he had given me a respectful nod. Dean wants to know if you'd like to be one of the groomsmen, my mother was saying. We were apparently talking about the wedding. How had we gotten on that? What? I asked. For the wedding, she said. My wedding, Will? Are you feeling okay? Oh... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, this semester's got me, uh, whew, it's kind of kicking my ass. How are your grades? They're fine, I said, and this was a lie, they were actually starting to slip. I had made the dean's list the last four semesters, but my A's were slipping into low B's, and I doubted I'd be able to pull it off this time around. Hmm, she said, you look tired. I'm fine, I said. Just, you know, midterms coming up, and now with the boxing team and the TNA work and Maxine's campaign. Maxine's campaign? My mother asked. Yeah, she's running for student body president, but that'll be over like next week, so it'll get better soon. Why the hell did you take that on? She asked me. You know you're too busy as it is. It was a favor to a friend. Plus, she kind of forced me into it, and I wasn't really sure how to say no. She looked at me for a minute. But I would love to be in your wedding party. She nodded. Lift your arms. Why? Just do it. I lifted my arms. She stared at me. Do you even know how sweaty your armpits are right now, Will? I did. She sat down on the sofa next to me grabbed my arm and licked the sweat slightly, tasting it like it was wine. Mm. No, 
That's stress sweat, she said. You're overextending yourself, and you smell. You need stronger deodorant, Will. Stress sweat creates the worst P.O. God, I wish boys were taught to shave their armpits. It would help everything so much. There was a knock on the door. We both turned. Caldwell von Crump stood there, holding a thermos. Well, he said, thought I heard your voice. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm fine, Professor von Crump. How are you? Oh, don't call me Professor. We know each other. Call me Caldwell. You guys talking about wedding plans? Yeah, said my mom. We were. Now we're talking stress. Caldwell's going to be one of the groomsmen, too. Does Dean have any friends of his own? I asked. Surprisingly few. But don't bring that up. It embarrasses him. Well, said Caldwell. Man, I just want to say I'm so sorry my uncle almost ate you and your friend. I am really, really glad you managed to get out of that one. Oh, it's no biggie. I've had a lot of crazy people try and kill me in my time. Must be overwhelming, said Caldwell. You must have an extremely hyperactive amygdala. I don't know what that means, I said. The amygdala, said Caldwell, is the part of the brain that controls fear, anxiety, stress, worry. These are all chemicals that are produced there, you know. That's actually why I brought you this. It's sort of a peace offering. He handed me the thermos. I opened it. It smelled sweet. Oh, my God, sweeter than anything I'd ever smelled before. What is this? I asked. It's a tea that a doctor mentor of mine taught me to make when I was a resident, said Caldwell. It's good for soothing the amygdala. Oh, Jesus Christ, Caldwell, said my mother. I didn't think you were into all that witchy-woo-woo spiritual bullshit. Oh, I'm not, he said. This is the exception. I've seen it work, Jane. What is it, she asked. Antifreeze. He smiled. No, it's a mixture of red tea, brown sugar, some spices, and salmon berries. What the hell's a salmon berry? It's a relative of the raspberry that grows on the west coast, mostly between Alaska and northern California, I said. What? Everyone knows that. Try it, said Caldwell. If you like it, I'll email you the recipe. I brought the tea to my lips. I sniffed it again. There was sweetness, yeah, but... Now I got some of the spices. There was allspice and nutmeg and other things I don't think I could even begin to place, but it was starting to smell wonderful. I took a swig. It went down smoother than I was expecting, but it had an earthiness to it, almost like birch beer. I took another sip. It was warming. That's good, I said. Thank you, Caldwell. Keep the thermos, he said. Tell you what I'll do. I'll put some tea bags of it in your mailbox tomorrow morning. You can make it yourself. Just let it steep for a good five minutes. You really want to let the spices have time to do their... Where are we? Oh, yeah. It was later that day. I was in the elevator of my building. It was clicking open. I stepped out into the common room and then turned to enter apartment 301, but to my surprise, the door was already ajar, which is odd. Noah and Eric both compulsively lock it behind them. They take safety to an annoyingly practical degree. I stepped inside. Brayden sat at the table. He had a strange look on his face. And then I processed it. There was another man sitting at the table. 
Willie boy, said the man. He had a long beard and bowl-cut hair and wore a white turtleneck that probably cost more than a mid-priced house. Tristan Robeck, I said. How nice that you're in my apartment. I thought I'd stop by, congratulate you on senior year. I will say, this is a twist. I was not expecting you two lads to be roommates. I was pretty sure you hated each other. I didn't acknowledge this. Does anyone want tea, I said, or wine? Oh no, he said, I never drink wine. I drink a special concoction made of protein powder, activated charcoal, and my own urine. Gross, said Brayden. It's not gross. It's the most hygienic drink imaginable. It's pure science. It's the reason why I look so... Amazing. I took a swig from my thermos. So, he said, I'm sure you're wondering why I'm here, Zs. I said nothing. Sit down, Will, said Tristan. I didn't move. Will, he said, I would like you to sit. <laughs> I would consider it greatly respectful to me if you would sit. <laughs> Please don't be disrespectful to me, Will. I sighed. I sat. How is Bix? I asked. Oh, she's quite well, said Tristan. Not to let the cat out of the bag prematurely, but she's in the family way, so to speak. She's pregnant, I said. Congratulations, Tristan. I always assumed that yours sort of inverted, like a turtle. Oh, oh Will, so droll. <laughs> no, it's time. We're very much in love, and my seed must be spread. That is why I've been so keen to develop Villa Asteroidica. The first ever space colony will be built soon enough, and my child will be the first one born on the moon, and he will be the moon pope. Oh, God, I said... Really? The, the moon pope? Oh yes, he said. And we picked out names. If it's a girl, Bix likes the name Tarantula. If it's a boy, we're going to go with Bounce. But regardless, speaking of seed, I received a call not too long ago from my old drinking buddy Jonas Vandersloot, and he told me he'd gotten a call from his baby bro, Brayden. And I thought, well, that's odd, <laughs> because the last time I saw Brayden Vandersloot, I was dumping his headless body into the trunk of my fucking a car. He took out his phone and pulled up a picture. Look, he said, and handed it to Brayden. Brayden stared at it for a minute and then looked down at his feet. He looked like he might vomit. Oh, buddy, said Tristan, don't tell me you're squeamish. You blew up all those people. You don't get to be squeamish now. He grabbed Brayden by the chin and pulled his head up. I spent millions making you, building your brand, turning you into a superhero. I made you fucking famous, and I bought you drugs and booze and whores. Everything you asked, and you fucked it all up. Let go of him, I said. Tristan turned to me. Well, 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 he said. You got some Kajanis now, man. Look at you. Fuck you, I said. 
Whatever, said Tristan. I'm not here for him. I don't really care why he's back. He's not significant enough for me to worry about right now. What I want to know is why some filthy, rancid old hobo came into my Columbus offices two days ago claiming to be Alan Robeck. I said nothing. Because, see, I was under the impression that Alan Robeck <laughs> was dead for a year and a half. Because I watched him fucking die. Where is he now? I asked. Oh, he's locked up. It's kind of cute, actually, Will. Hey, I giggle. I thought you'd enjoy it. We shut down the processing center two years back, but we kept it intact. We still own the building. It's the building they kept you in, right? A <laughs> secret! Yes, it's the building I was kept in. And you were kept in a little glass cell, right? Yes. Well, said Tristan, you'll be glad to know the old man's finding it very comfy. You know, it's funny, Tristan. I didn't think you were competent enough to be this much of a little fucking prick. Oh, Will, he said, that's part of the charm, baby. Now, I'm going to blood test that old man, and if he is who he says he is, I, you'll what? You don't even want to know. Right, I said, you done here? Buddy, he said he ran into you, Will, said Tristan. So if I find out that you, I had nothing to do with anything, I said. Leave me be, asshole. I got enough on my plate right now. He looked at me for a minute, trying to decide if he thought I was telling the truth. And eventually, I guess he decided I was, so he turned back to Brayden. Here's the deal with you, he said. You have a body count, not the fun kind. And a big one. By any rational metric, <laughs> you should be tried at the Hague and hung for crimes against humanity. Now, I know you've got a soft spot for your brother, so if you kill yourself by the end of the week, I will give him a job post-grad. Six figures. Think it over. Tristan, leave him the fuck alone. Oh, come on, Will. After everything he's done, I would think you of all... You know nothing about me, I said. You are a pompous, useless little daddy's boy, and if you come around here again, if you contact me or anybody I know, I will fuck you up. Oh, really? <laughs> you think you could threaten me? Who do you think... I think I'm someone bigger than you. And I think I'm someone stronger than you. I think you are a little twig boy, and I think I could snap your fucking neck. And if you don't get out of my apartment, I will. He glared at me for a second, and then the smirk returned. We'll see, he said. And then he chuckled a little. <laughs> this was a fun chat. <laughs> By the way, Will, um, your one-eyed gargoyle hissed at me. You should train her better. And then, without another word, he stepped out of the apartment and let the door swing quietly shut. I turned to Brayden. His face was red. He had a distant look in his eyes. May I? I asked. He nodded. I put my hand on his back. Take deep breaths, I said. And he took in a deep, gasping breath and started crying. Maybe he's right, Will. Maybe I, I should just do it. No, you shouldn't, I said. Why? You don't- Yes, I do. I know what it's like, Brayden. Everyone in this apartment does. That man 
and his family stole two fucking decades of my life, and I did not get those years back. You did. That is a blessing. Do not fucking throw it away. Thank you, he said. You're you're a good, a good person, Will. Thank you, I said. God, I'm like a dark version of you, you know? You never had a choice with Villa Americana. I, I, I went running to it. Listen, you don't need to beat yourself up about it, man. You wanted to be a superhero. Who wouldn't? I mean, I wouldn't personally. I don't, I don't give a shit about superheroes. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a relatable urge. I get it. No, you don't. You know why I wanted to be a superhero, Will? It's stupid. I... My parents fought all the time when I was younger. Mainly because my mom was really mean and my dad was super unfaithful. Um, but I, I used to hear them fight all night. But I had... I had this blanket on my bed when I was a kid with Batman on it. And whenever they'd fight, I would just pretend that I was Batman. And I'd cover myself in that blanket and I'd pretend it was a cape and I'd say, I'm gonna fly. And I was right. I fucking flew. And even though the story made me sad, I had to ask, I... Can... Batman fly? Well, no, I, I guess he can't, but he, he can glide for short distances. Yeah, that's, that's true. Batman would hate me, said Brayden. No, I said. Batman would understand. That's why he would send you to Arkham instead of just beating you and sending you to a for-profit prison like one of the impoverished petty criminals that he likes to brutalize. He smiled. That's a really nice thought. Where am I? Oh, right. I'm hanging Vote Mizuki posters with Sydney, and it's the next day. The posters are bright and they're glittery, everything that Maxine hates. But Olivia designed them, and Maxine loves Olivia, and Olivia loves those things. And I guess on some level, if Maxine loves Olivia, she must also love... Will, can I ask you something? Where am I? How, um... That's right. That's right. I'm, 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 I'm in the dining hall, and I'm, I'm sitting across from Sydney, and we're having breakfast, and it's Sunday morning. We're having bowls of oatmeal with craisins and coffee and toast. What's that? I said. I said, can I ask you something? Will, are you all right? You've been so out of it this week. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I've just been feeling a little, um, little spacey lately. I've been getting those headaches and, and pains in my neck and my jaw. I, but I'll be fine. I, I probably just need to drink more water. You know, they say that, they say it's really a miracle cure for most things. So, wh what do you need? I was wondering if I could maybe ask you what I was like when you and I first met. Uh, well, for one thing, you were a ghost. No, I know that, but I just mean, what was your opinion of me? I'm very curious. I took a sip of my coffee. Well, I, I was scared of you at first, but 
after we got used to each other, I, I got comfortable with you. I don't know, you just really got me. The sea monster and the ghost became friends. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not still there, am I? No, no, I know, no, you crossed over at the end of my freshman year. So what do you think that means for me, she said. What do you mean, what do I think? Well, it seems like conclusive proof of a soul, doesn't it? Does that mean I'm just out and about, walking around without one? I mean, I don't know how that works, I said. I think you probably still have your soul, if, because you're still alive. In your reality, you never became a ghost to begin with. But in yours, I did. And that's where I live now. Maybe a minister would be better to answer this question, I said. Maybe. I don't know, I haven't been to church since I was... God, I don't even know how young. Are you religious, Will? Well, I don't know, really. Sometimes a little. I, I knew a minister once who meant a lot to me, but I haven't been to church except for funerals. She smiled. But do you want to know a fun fact? I asked. Sure, she said. Did you know that Australia is wider than the moon? I did know that, said Sydney. Did you know that shrimp have their hearts in their heads? No, I didn't, I said. That's interesting. I'll have to read more about that. They're very interesting creatures, shrimp. Easy to cook, too, she said. Then, as if we'd never changed the topic, she said, But riddle me this, and forgive me for being blunt, Will. I just have to know. Are you... are you queer? No, I said. I'm, I'm not, actually. I don't know. I, I wondered if maybe you were bi. My friend Jess always likes to say that I'm, uh... Oh, what's the word? Um... Bi-textual, because in context, I should be bisexual, but I'm not. What about you? I don't consider myself to be, said Sydney. I fooled around with this girl I knew junior year. I think we both wanted to see if we would like it. I think that's a healthy thing to do, I said. So, she said, Then how would you feel if I kissed you, she asked. If you kissed me, uh, I, I think I would find that interesting. Do you want to kiss me, Sydney? I think I'd like to try it, she said. So I leaned over the table, and she leaned over the table, and her face pressed against my face, and her lips pressed against my lips, and then... Oh yeah, the, the the ring. I'm in the I'm in the ring. Training. I'm always training. It's me against Nick Wu, sophomore, nimble, quick, nasty cross, surprisingly powerful jab. Good boxer. I'm sweating. I, I've got a pain in my side. He's just hooked me, and I'm only vaguely aware that I've just let out a little, a little yelp. I slip as another hook comes at me. Throw a jab, cross. Both hit him in the jaw, and he staggers back. I can hear cheers. There are people watching? I look back. It's Jess and Collins standing by watching the whole thing. Jess, I start to say. A hook gets the side of my head and I go down. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I now? Where am I now? Oh yeah, I'm here, I'm, I'm here, I'm in a classroom, and it's 
night. I'm in a classroom and it's it's nighttime. What am I? What 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 am I doing here? So very late in the evening. I wonder. In the center of the room, there are two figures, and they're facing each other, and their bodies look like those flexible wooden artist models, and their heads are, uh, they're, uh, b- balloons, and they have boxing gloves on, and they swing slightly at each other, and their voices play out of speakers. My mommy gave me three apples, and my friend Jeremy took two of them. How many do I have now? I have one. Swing. The second voice says, My mommy tells my daddy to scrub his face before we go out in public. He always has crumbs in his beard. Swing. Voices laugh and... I stand up. I face Nick Wu. My brain feels rattled in the side of my head. I've just heard Zack say, Seven? I'm up. I'm up! I nodded to Nick. He nods back. I throw a jab hook, jab hook. He deflects the second one, and I strike with my cross. It hits him right in the nose. His hands go to his face, and I uppercut his torso as mean as I can, and he lets out a gulping noise, and he topples over. Nobody fucks with me! This from Maxine. We're sitting in her bedroom. It's the day before election day. Josh is smoking her in the preliminary polls. It's not the end of the world, I try telling her. You ran a clean campaign. There's no... My father gave me three oranges, and my friend Jeremy gave me two more. How many oranges do I have now? So it's me. That is to say, um... Oh, Miss Kitty, you sure are pretty today. And Olivia says, Why don't we just do another Insta-Live speech, babe? What if I kissed you? I'd like that. Jab, cross, jab, cross, hook, 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 cross, jab, 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 slip, jab, roll, jab, hook, roll, slip, jab, cross, cross, cross. (laughs) Are you and Caldwell having an affair? Where the fuck did that come from? I'm sitting in my mother's office. I'm holding a thermos of tea in my hand. I, I make it myself now. I finally tracked down the salmon berries. It's not easy to do in Ohio. My mother's pen falls out of her hand. She's grading term papers. She looks at me for a minute, and then she lets out a barking laugh. Are you serious? She asked. Does Caldwell look like the type of person that I... Yes. (sighs) Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Why do you think he and I are sleeping together, Will? Well, you... It just seems like you've been so distant from Dean lately. That doesn't mean I'm stopping another man, Will. Dean and I are busy. Couples get busy. And sometimes you don't talk to the other person or about the other person every minute of every day. It doesn't mean that you don't love them. It just means that you know your priorities. She stands up and sits down on the couch next to me. Why do you think that? I I just... I see the way the two of you are together and the way he looks at you and the way you look at him and I I just I don't want you to hurt Dean, okay? I like Dean I realize that I am very close to crying and my face feels very hot Jesus, Will, are you feeling alright? You're so pale I feel like I haven't been sleeping but don't, don't dodge the question I already answered it, she said 
She pulled me close to her and kicked the door shut with her high-heeled boot. Listen, you want honesty. Okay, here is honesty. I find Caldwell Von Crump enormously attractive, but I'm not going to run off with him. Dean loves me, and I love Dean. It, it took me long enough for that. I'm not going to throw all that away for some middle-aged pretty boy. Promise? Will, why aren't you sleeping? Do you promise? Jesus, Will, yes, I swear, I swear. Now, why? Why aren't you sleeping? I don't know. I... It's been so loud in my head lately. There's been so much going on. I feel like I just feel so stuck, and I don't know how to fix that. You fix it, she said, by looking ahead. I'm sure you've been working on post-grad plans. Post-grad what? Post-graduate plans. You know, plans that one makes post-graduate. Have you started making those? Uh, um, do I not have the time? Is that a joke? Uh, you should have started thinking about post-grad plans after sophomore year, Will. I mean... God, what do the people at the career center think? The what center? You haven't been to the career center, Will? Are you joking? Should I have been? You should have been going there since freshman year. Well, nobody told me that, I said. You didn't think college was all that there was, did you? Well, you knew you would graduate, she said. Yeah, I knew that. In my heart, I knew that. I just... I didn't know it would come so soon or have this much consequence. And maybe that's my fault. No, it's definitely your fault. Hey! No, it is, Mom, because you... Back at the facility, you said, Oh, you can do whatever you want, Will. Don't worry, the stupid company will pick up the tab. You should go to Wendler. It's delightful there. And it has been. Yet, yeah, it has, and I am, I'm not, I'm not ready to go. Well, you can't stay here. But I'm scared to leave. Mom, this is the only place I know. I came here because you told me I had to come here. I'm, no, no, I, I know you didn't, but it was what was expected of me. And I went here, and now I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I mean... I need to get a job, don't I? I? I don't even know what I could do. How is the job market for anthropologists? She was silent. I mean, do I go to grad school? It's a little bit more serious than that. Well, no, but... Okay, I tell you what. How about I become a super senior? No, n no, no, we're not doing that. Well, maybe I could study abroad, or, or, or I could work for the campus, like Jess, and, and maybe, no, maybes. Well, there's no more maybes. Why? Because you're already out of time. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? I was, I, I was nowhere. I am nowhere. The office around us had dissolved. The flesh on my mother's face had melted away. Not even, not even skin and bones remained. 
Her hands gripped my shoulders so hard, and then they fell away into nothingness, and I was... I was alone. I am alone in a void. Darkness surrounded me, and I, I felt like I was floating. Mom, I said, and the word echoed through the void, until a colder voice answered back. No. Waffle? Is that you? Nee, child. That which you call the waffle is but a minor parasite that lives in the stomach, which is I. There was a flickering noise. I turned. Somewhere, impossibly far in the distance, there was a neon sign lighting up, and the sign said, Now screening. I began to walk toward the sign. My steps made an echoing sound. It was like if air could echo. And as I walked toward the sign, it pulled away from me, not just a little bit, but infinitely far away, until it was just a tiny pinpoint of light that shined in the darkness. And the light flew up into the sky, a pale, sickly attempt at a halo illuminating the void. It shined down on a small pillar like a spotlight. I walked toward the pillar. There was something resting on top of it. It was a small stone crown. A bit they, said the voice. Pick it up, child, and wear it. Abide with me. I backed away from the crown, but as soon as I began to walk backwards, I felt my back bump into something solid. A wall. Who are you? I asked. I am the eater of all things, child, said the voice. I am the second thing that ever was made. I was there at the moment the first atom split. I was there when God came crawling into this niche of creation to make it his own. When angels fell, I was there. When the first fish crawled from the sea onto dry land, I was there. And I will be there when the last atom of creation fades away. When the temples to every god and goddess are rubble, I shall feed. And your waffle is just a poor buzzard come to pick away the bones I leave it. A guest come to the master's dinner bell, glutton that it is. I know you, don't I? Aye, child. You've known me all your wicked life. Twas I which fed you and nursed you as a babe. I was that which lined every piece of meat from which you were ever bade to sup. "'Twas I that lined the crusts of bread, the rinds of cheese you fished from the garbage can, "'the rot on the skins of the mango, the thing which dwelt on walls. "'I have been as father and mother to you all the days of your life, and you will, Hughes. "'You ought be my Adam.' "'I said nothing.' I am the thing 
which grows from nothing and which stops that which once moved. You, all you're running around. Look where it brought you now, to me. I could feel a warm hand patting my back. Come now, be a smart boy, come round. Where the crown? I picked up the crown. I could feel the hands tense on my back. This kills me, doesn't it? I asked. Didn't I think of it like that? Said the voice. Think of it as simply another skin to wear. You shall be my physical emissary, William. My prophet. My child. So you're... Jesus, or your Mohammed, or your Moses, something like that. In a sense, said the voice. I stared at the crown. It felt very heavy in my hands. But there is a problem, I said. Because I am not Jesus, or Mohammed, or Moses, or something like that. I'm Will Hughes. I am a college senior. This is not me. It never was. Child, it said. You cannot begin to fathom the... I snapped the crown in half in my hands. There was a loud wailing. A, a horribly loud wailing that filled my eardrums and made them feel like they might burst. You can't do that! There was pain in my ears and pain in my head, pain in my jaw, pain filling me everywhere and light flooding my senses. And then I felt myself floating and a hand reached up and grabbed me and pulled me down. Will? Will? I opened my eyes. I was back in my mother's office. Did I doze off? I asked. Kind of. You were just staring into space, and then you started hyperventilating. Baby, are, are you okay? I'm so, I'm so sorry that I said that thing about you and Caldwell. It was inappropriate, and I, I will make an appointment with the Career Center tomorrow. I, I think I need to go home and lie down now, so I, I'm going to go. We'll stay, she said. She took her travel mug off the desk and handed it to me. It was filled with cool water with lemon. I took a deep swig. She held me close. I didn't mean to overwhelm you. It's just that I worry about you. I know you didn't have the best start. I also know this place means the world to you. But I am about to leave it. Do you think that it's too late? Oh, honey, no, she said. No, I just want to make sure you're caught up. Listen, if you think you might want to pursue grad school for anthropology or sociology, that maybe I don't. Will you love those things, she said. I know, but maybe I don't love them enough. Maybe those things aren't going to make me happy for the rest of my life. I'm not sure yet, but it's a feeling that I've had lately, and I, I, I don't know where it comes from. Well, what do you like doing? I like watching people. 
I like observing people. I like talking. I, I like radio. I, I don't know. I, I would need to make a list. Maybe that's a good weekend project, she said. Yeah, I, I think it might be. And then I said, hey, mom, um, do, do you think I could try therapy again? Oh, um, sure, if you want, I can help you find someone. Do you think you need meds, or I don't know yet? I, I guess we'll find out. Okay, she said. Well, here, honey, why don't I walk you back to your dorm, okay? Okay, I said. And then as we started to go, she said, Well, I want you to know something. I should have said this a long time ago. Whatever it is you end up doing, I'm going to be proud of you, okay? Okay, I said. And so we walked back toward my apartment, but to our surprise, there was already a crowd waiting for us. It was Max and Olivia and Sydney. Olivia came running up to us. Well, Doc, have you heard the good news? Oh, God, Olivia, nothing religious right now, please. No, it's not that. It's Josh Johnson dropped out of the race. He did? Apparently, said Sidney, he thought being student body president would get in the way of him joining the ultimate frisbee team. Yeah, said Max, that's catnip to dudes like that, so now I'm running unopposed. Apparently not a lot of people want the job because of all the stress. Are you going to be able to handle the stress? My mother asked, and Maxine just sort of laughed. Come on, said Olivia. Let's all go inside and celebrate. I'm going to start shopping for shoes, if you know what I mean. And so we went inside and got in the elevator. As we stepped in, I felt a hand take mine. It was Sydney's hand. I gave it a squeeze. She squeezed back. The elevator began to rise and then clicked open. We stepped out onto the third floor and I unlocked the door to 301. As I opened the door, I was suddenly aware of the sound of thrashing and struggling. We stepped inside. Noah, Braden, and Trevor all stood there. On the floor was Eric, red and thrashing. Oh my god, said my mother, and she rushed over to him. Okay, I think he's having a seizure. Someone call a fucking ambulance. She reached down and held Eric's head up, but as she did, his hand reached up and pushed her back. Only, it wasn't a hand. It was a bright red claw. There was a high-pitched scream. It came from Trevor. Claw terrorin! he shouted. Eric let out a high, wheezing yelp and began to twitch. It was a more steady twitch now, almost rhythmic. And suddenly, he was on his back, arched like a tent. His shirt began to expand, and then it split. And from the sides of his abdomen, we could suddenly see two pairs of legs, bright red stalks emerging. And his head began to twist and contort and shrink back into his body, and his eyes rolled over in his skull, but... They didn't roll white, they rolled over black, and they began to elongate, and his mouth began to compress and twitch and froth, his legs stuck in the air and shrunk and began to turn red. His second arm became a claw, and at last, the twitching stopped. Everything seemed to stop. And we were there, in the silence of that apartment, staring at the giant crab that stood before us.
Dryland was created by, written by, and performed by Adam Frost Venrick as Will Hughes. Each episode is produced through the Z Theatre Company. Thank you for listening, and please tune in next time for more Dryland. <laughs>